Welcome to episode number 165. Today we're going to be discussing meal planning, stocked pantries, and how to create healthy from scratch meals for your family with the least amount of time and stress. Sound good? First, let me welcome you to the Pioneering Today podcast with me, Melissa K. Norris, your host. And this is where we talk about how to do it homemade and homegrown from the garden to the barnyard and the kitchen with or without the full-on homestead. At the time of this recording, it is January 2nd, 2019. We are at the beginning of a brand new year. But honestly, it really doesn't matter what time of year you're listening to this episode. All of the tips are still going to apply And we shouldn't wait for a specific date on the calendar to start making better changes. Now, if you didn't listen to the previous episode, which was episode number 164, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to that episode because we talk about setting goals and planning out your entire year for your best homestead year ever. Because for those of us who raise and grow our own food, have livestock, do herbal things, our year and planning looks a little bit different than most modern society in the rest of the world. So we are piggybacking off of that episode with this one and diving into healthy eating. Now, healthy eating can cover so many different things and everybody has their own definition or idea of what healthy eating looks like. So for this episode, healthy eating is going to be food in its closest whole form, made from real food ingredients, and preferably things without labels and big long ingredient lists. I've received several different emails and messages asking for help on meal planning, specifically how we do it or how I do it here on our homestead, and also ideas on what to include in the meal plans or recipes, foods that we eat. In order to break this down, I'm going to walk you through the basis of our meal planning starts with the ingredients. Big surprise there, right? You have to have the food in order to cook it. But as a homesteader and somebody who raises 100% of their own meat and well over 50% of our fruits and vegetables, I'm starting with an inventory and a stocked larder first. Specifically, we raise pork, so we have a whole pig. Well, when we butcher, we have a whole pig, I should say, that goes in the freezer our own organic grass-fed pasture-raised beef. We do whole chickens, meat chickens. We also do regular laying hens so that we have eggs, and we do a separate batch of meat chickens. Then we are lucky enough that my husband's day job provides them with a fish bonus. So we get frozen vacuum-packed salmon fillets as a bonus from his work. So even though we're not technically raising those salmon, I still include them, obviously, in our inventory. We have a little 17-foot boat that we go out in the bay with during the summertime, and we catch our limit of crab, and then we 
freeze that and vacuum seal it. You can can it, but we predominantly do freeze the crab. So we harvest all of our own crab for a year. And then when we are lucky enough, venison as well. And I'm starting with the main parts of meat because that's how I do my meal planning is I do the main course and usually the base of that revolves around meat first. You might not be at the point where you are raising all of that yet, but I will say if you can find a local farmer or a local butcher and purchase a whole pig or a half a pig, half a beef, quarter beef, whole beef, that's going to depend on the size of your family. And then the same thing, you can purchase a whole chicken instead of buying just the individual packs of, say, breasts or thighs or wings. One, you are going to save money because usually when you purchase an animal that way or those bigger cuts or a whole chicken versus the individual pieces, you save money by purchasing it in bulk and in the whole form. Plus, then you've got the carcasses when we're talking whole chickens or the bone and the different things so that we can then turn it around and make broth out of it. And it's easier to stock your freezer and or your canning. We do can some of our meat but I use our freezer space for the majority of our meat and then preserve all of the vegetables and fruit using different forms of food preservation, canning, dehydrating. Those are the main ones that we use. Then you wanna create an inventory. You need to be able to know at a quick glance, which can be difficult when you have a full chest freezer, perhaps two, we actually have two, we have one in the house, it's an upright freezer, and then we have a deep chest freezer out in our pump house. But you need to know how much you have and an inventory of your different cuts of meat. When it comes to our canned food and or dehydrated food, because I keep both versions are in mason jars and are sealed on the pantry shelf. But you need to know what you have, right? This also helps if you did listen to episode number 164 where we go over planning out this year's garden and crops having this inventory of what you've got on hand helps and coincides with planning everything out that you're going to be planting and harvesting for the coming year so to access any of the episodes that i will reference and or things links Within this episode, you can always get the full blog post that accompanies every podcast episode at melissaknorris.com, my website. For this one specifically, because this is episode number 165, you can go to melissaknorris.com forward slash 165, the numbers. But after you've got your inventory, then you know the ingredients that you have to work with. My goal is to go to the grocery store as little as possible and to purchase as little as possible from the store. So when I have this inventory of our main ingredients or main food, then I can start to create our individual meals from what we have on hand. Now, personally, I do main dishes first. My top priority is dinner. I wanna know what we're having for dinner, and I plan that out in advance, and then it either becomes leftovers for the next night, which I know some families don't like leftovers. I happen to adore leftovers because it means I don't have to cook again that night. We'll also take leftovers if there's not enough for the entire family to have a meal of leftovers or I can't repurpose them into something else. Then they become lunch for my husband and myself. 
priority-wise, after our main dish or our dinner meal plan, then I do breakfast. I don't meal plan out, written out on a calendar and a schedule in advance, all of our meals and snacks. Now, some of you, you have the type of personality and your brain works and that's what you need and you need it all written out, every single thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just find that I don't roll that way. And so I think it's really important for us to glean tips from other people and things that work well for other people. But then we really have to adapt it for what works best for our brain and our systems and the way that we do things. I have tried in the past where I write out every single thing and you plan out a whole month's worth of menu plans. But I just don't keep up with it, and that doesn't work for me long term. In fact, that almost stresses me out a little bit. Instead, I like to have a master meal plan of our favorite recipes. There are some dinners that we have every single month, usually not every single week, but every single month we will have some type of tacos. So it may be soft tacos, might be taco salad, but once a month we're going to have tacos. Usually once a month, we are going to have spaghetti. We will usually have butter chicken and pizza. So I think you can see where I'm going with this. Pick your family's absolute favorite meals and recipes and plug those in or even just have a running list. It can be a list on paper. It can be in your planner. It can be in your head. But know what your family's favorite recipes are and build off of those first. Those are your cornerstone pieces. When it comes to your meal planning, it's no big surprise here as you're listening to something called the Pioneering Today podcast. It involves very little of pre-made or store-bought convenience meals and foods. The reason I'm bringing this up is because it is so important for us to learn how to cook from scratch and do basic ingredients and basic foods. Because then you can look at the ingredients that you have on hand and you don't always have to have a recipe, but you'll have the skill sets to put them together to form a meal. And one of those skill sets is knowing how to do baking and cooking substitutions for the ingredients that you have on hand. Back in episode number 162, I shared 12 baking substitutions that every homesteader needs to know. So if you are getting ready to cook a meal and you need to make a roux or a gravy or a sauce and you look and you discover, oh, I don't have any milk. Well, what are some ways or I don't have any cream? What are some ways that I can still make this recipe work and taste good, even though I don't happen to have these exact ingredients on hand? That is a form of skill sets and having those kitchen skill basics instead of just recipes that are so key and come in really handy. For example, I have not bought condensed cream canned of anything soup in probably over a decade, a very, very long time. Because I know that I can take a fat source, so it can be coconut oil, it can be butter, it can be ghee, it can be lard, and I can melt that in a skillet or a saucepan, add in a little bit of thickener, might be flour, might be cornstarch, might be xanthan gum, and then add in my liquid, water, broth, milk, cream, combination thereof, and get it nice and bubbly and thick. And then there is no need for me to have a condensed can of cream, anything. And I can add in different, you can mushrooms and 
onions and garlic, celery, however you need it to be flavored. And you can whip that up in just a few minutes. That can be then the basis of a pot pie filling. It can simply be a gravy, smothered, whatever type of meat and vegetables you've got. You see where I'm going with that. And that's a lot of the material that you'll find in recipes and skills and step-by-step tutorials in my book, Handmade, that teaches you those basic skill sets so that you can build out and create meals. So as I said, definitely do my main dish first. What I usually do is I meal plan out for supper and breakfast up to a week, but oftentimes even just two or three days out. One of my favorite things to do meal planning wise is on Sunday, cook a whole chicken or perhaps a ham or a roast. I think you can see where I'm going, but a big portion of meat. And usually on Sunday, my husband and I are not working. That's our at-home day with family. So we always try to make sure that we don't do anything Sunday afternoon and evening planned out like special activities that were at home so that we can prepare a larger meal. So for example, if it's a whole chicken, we will either smoke or roast that whole chicken for Sunday. Then that evening we'll have vegetables based on either what's in season. So if we're still harvesting things from the garden or what we've got in the pantry that we have put up and then a side and usually a starch. So depending on what I'm doing diet wise, sometimes I'm doing low carbs. So then my starch is going to look a little bit different and I'll just double up on vegetables but it may be mashed potatoes, it might be rice, it might be roasted potatoes, maybe it's roasted baked sweet potatoes. But we usually always do a vegetable or two vegetables, the meat, then a side, and sometimes bread, which we're going to talk about that bread in a little bit more detail coming up. So stay tuned because I have something really special coming up. So that first night, obviously, we will just eat that meal as is. Then... I will plan out for the second night, so that would be Monday, depending on how much of the size of vegetables we have left. If there's enough left to do an entire second meal of that, then we'll do that. But usually I will turn that into something else. We'll chop up part of the chicken and make chicken salad and then sandwiches or chicken salad salad and or sandwich, depending on where we're rolling, will be lunch for the following day. And then that evening, I've got a variety of different things I like to do with chicken. And the same thing goes for turkey. So it may be a pot pie. It might be chicken and dumplings soup. It may be a chicken and broccoli casserole with a biscuit topping on top. Back in November, I conquered making homemade croissant rolls, which is a three-day process and totally worth it. But I will often take croissant dough and then make kind of like basically a stuffed croissant roll, but we'll do it up savory dinner style. So I think kind of like a pizza pocket, but usually what I'll do is take some diced up cooked chicken. You could really do it with any meat that you want to. Maybe a little bit of cream cheese, a little bit of onion powder, a little bit of garlic powder, and put that inside the croissant roll and then bake that up. So then whatever I make off of that from Monday night, we usually always have leftovers because it's a big either pot of soup or casserole or that type of item, then we have enough for dinner on Tuesday night. So I can cook essentially that one main dish and meal plan off of that Sunday and take us all the way through to Wednesday and then I'll pick something else to make. So I usually try to alter it if we've done chicken for three nights, even if it's in various forms, 
then I'm going to do probably red meat or maybe venison. And then we'll do some salmon and or some crab. So you see where I'm going with that. I also kind of try and alter it like if we have one meal that is heavier in fat, so it's more of a keto style meal or just more fat based, then I'll try and plan for the next night's supper to do something that's a little more vegetable heavy and less fat heavy. So I do try to balance and picking those meals so that we've got a good balance going on. Now for breakfast, I incorporate batch cooking. If you're curious about batch cooking and freezer cooking specifically, I have got 12 time-saving tips for homemade meals in episode number 155 that goes over batch and freezer cooking. And you can do it as well for your dinners and or suppers as well. But I really use that for my breakfast cooking. I will plan up and do pancakes, waffles, muffins, and I will do a large batch. Some will go in the fridge, so we have them for fast and easy reheating in the morning. And I always put my muffins, pancakes, and waffles. Muffles I'll leave on the counter for maybe a day or two, but then they go in the fridge. Because you are cooking them at home from scratch, they don't have the preservatives and the stabilizers in them that store-bought counterparts do, meaning they will mold faster. And I do not want to let all those wonderful ingredients and my time go to waste. So if I put them in the fridge, they will stay in the fridge for a week and they will be just fine. And then you can heat them up in the morning and or eat them cold. If I need them to stay longer, like I'm doing a big batch cooking session and I want enough of it to take us out for a couple of weeks, then after I bake it, it goes in the freezer. And the great thing about pancakes and waffles, when you do them frozen and even muffins, but especially with pancakes and waffles, is you can put them frozen in the toaster and they will thaw and warm out and be ready to go in the toaster with just a few minutes in the morning. So for the past three days of our meals, I'll give you a little bit of what our meal plan looked like. I made up a huge batch of sourdough waffles and pancakes a week ago, and we have been having those for breakfast. Now, I got to tell you, talking about health and sourdough, two of my favorite things, and they go hand in hand. But if you've been wanting to do sourdough and or you are curious about it, I am doing a very special free, and it's only up for a limited time, but a free sourdough video series that's going to walk you through all of the awesome benefits of sourdough, how to make your own sourdough starter, including gluten-free sourdough. Yes, you can do gluten-free sourdough. How to keep it from getting overly tangy or sour, troubleshooting, and my favorite sourdough pancake waffle recipes including gluten and egg-free variations, and a whole bunch more. But you got to be signed up for it, so you got to be on my email list, and it's all going to kick off this January 9th, 2019. So if you're not on my email list, you better make sure that you are, and you can do that at melissaknorris.com. There on the homepage at the bottom, there's an email sign-up button, and you'll get all of my best updates, including your invite to this special sourdough training class. Okay, so back to the past three days and what our meal plan looked at for concrete ideas. As I said, sourdough pancakes and or waffles is what we've been having for breakfast. For lunch, we had leftover chicken salad. 
And we also had some leftover fried cabbage and sausage. For supper, we had done tacos one night. So then the kids took the leftover taco meat and either had tacos or made nachos for themselves for lunch. So you can see that lunch, depending on, there was a couple different items. And so we just kind of rotate through those for lunch based on who wants what and what their favorite is throughout the lunch. And they were all leftover dinner items. For snacks, my husband made homemade California rolls. We do, of course, nuts, applesauce. Some of my favorite snacks is to do a little bit of cheese and home canned pickles. A fast and easy snack and that we still, it's the only crop other than some of my hearty herbs that we have still growing in the garden is kale. And my kids love kale chips. And kale chips cook up in less than 10 minutes, so they are a fast and nutritious and easy snack, as well as fruit. Now, we don't grow citrus. We are way too far north. But I did purchase a five-pound bag of the little cutie oranges at Costco for my daughter. So she's been having an orange once or twice a day as a snack as well. So for suppers, we had the tacos. Then last night, we did homemade crab fettuccine with homemade egg noodles. And sadly, there was not enough of that leftover for dinner tonight. So my husband took it for lunch instead with homemade sourdough bread. And tonight, I'm going to be cooking up a ham so I can start over again with having that large piece of meat to then plan out the rest of the week's suppers and leftovers with. Now, when the kids are in school, at the time of this recording, they are still home on winter break, but they will sometimes do hot lunch and sometimes they will take cold lunch. And so when we're packing, it looks a little bit different, especially for the kids as far as lunches go as compared to when we're at home. My son loves the seaweed snacks. So just the dried sheets of seaweed, that is one of his favorite snacks. And it's not something we produce on the homestead, but it's really a great snack food in comparison to say a bag of Dorito chips. So I'm more than happy to comply with that. And it packs easy. My daughter loves to make sandwiches. One of her favorite is chicken salad. We have that quite a bit. And then we'll also pack, she loves pickles. So she will pack a pickle, cheese, sometimes just cold cuts of meat, whatever we have had for dinner the night before. And then I'll just put it in with an ice pack if it needs to be something that's cold. They do have access to a microwave in the lunchroom, but they don't really always use it. Yogurt with fruit, fruit snacks. Now, I actually mean like chopped up apple slices or fruit that we have dried from the homestead with a homemade trail mix or homemade granola. And then there's always the good standby, which is our homemade jam and peanut butter or almond butter if you don't have nut allergies sandwiches. And they both love popcorn. So we'll often send them with little bags of popcorn as a snack as well. It happens to be one of my favorites, too. And we love deviled eggs all year round. Now, they do need to be kept cold, so you can put an ice pack in there. But one thing that we'll make up quite often, depending on how well the chickens are laying, in the winter, I do not use artificial light, so I don't force my chickens to lay eggs all year. So my egg supply is a little bit dwindling this time of year. In fact, right now, I'm only getting usually one egg a day out of our nine hens. But when they are laying regularly, the rest of the year, we almost always have a plate of deviled eggs in the fridge and those will go in lunches and snacks as well. If you could use some more help on healthy meal planning only through Monday the 7th, 
So it's up for a short period of time, but I am an affiliate with, which that means if you go and you decide to make a purchase, I do make a commission and I thank you so much. It helps with the hosting costs of the website and the podcast, but the healthy meal planning bundle. So you can check that out with melissaknorris.com forward slash meal plan. So what it is, is a healthy meal planning bundle specifically, now don't let this overwhelm you, but there's 1,072 whole food recipes. So if you're like, I need some new recipes to put into our regular favorite master meal list, this is it for you. The other great thing about this is it's not just recipes. So you can take the recipes and you can plug and play them into your own meal planning routine if you have one down that works for you. Or there's 38 done-for-you meal plans to choose from. So you can base it off of freezer cooking, paleo, keto, Instapot and slow cooker. Raising my hand there because those are some of my favorites. There's nutritional info for every recipe and yours truly, meaning me. I have got recipes from my books and website in these meal plans. So I am a contributor to it. You can index all of the recipes and the meal plans by dietary needs and or health goals. And they also have things that are going to help you plan out your meals and do less time in the kitchen if that's something you have been struggling with. Some of the fun dinner categories is quick and easy, so 30 minutes or less. As I said, Instapot and slow cooker meals, freezer meals, one dish wonders, and then everyday dinners. And then they do have breakfast, salads and sides, light meals, soup, snacks, and baked goods. So you can see kind of everything is covered there. But it's only available for a very short period of time, which ends January 7th, 2019. So if you are listening to this before January 8th, by January 7th, go and check that out at melissaknorris.com forward slash meal plan while it's still available. Okay, guys. On to our verse of the week, and we are in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, and this is the Amplified Translation of the Bible. And Jesus increased in wisdom, in broad and full understanding, and in stature and years, and in favor with God and man. The reason that I picked that verse is we are, as I said at the time of this recording, at the first part of January. Not only is that a new year where many of us are setting goals and planning things out in the hope of improving, it also happens to be my birthday month. And it's funny because you usually have a few sets of people when it comes to birthdays. One, they just kind of ignore them, doesn't really mean a whole lot. Then you have another set who dread getting older and it can be depressing and they're really not happy about it. And then you have the other set that is super excited and they are going to celebrate it up in style. So for myself, I hope that I increase in wisdom as my years go by and in favor with God and man, but more in favor with God, because that's more important to me is knowing that I am pleasing and growing in him more so than anything else. And that is also my hope and prayer for you this year, that you may increase in wisdom, broad and full understanding, in stature and years, 
and in favor with both God and man. I can't think of a better prayer for all of us as we go into this new year. I want to thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the podcast. I appreciate your time, and I hope that you're going to be joining me for our upcoming special sourdough series. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. So as soon as we put out these new updates, because as you can see, sometimes there's very timely information in there. So you want to make sure that you get it as soon as it goes live so you don't miss out on anything. Subscribe to it in whatever the app you are that you're listening to it. So if it's in iTunes or Stitcher, whatever app you are listening to, make sure that you hit subscribe. I will be back here with you next week. And as always, you can grab all of the links to the other episodes and resources that we talked about at melissakinoris.com forward slash 165. Bye for now.